Well, good morning and welcome to Elgin Baptist Church. Thank you for joining with us this morning from wherever and however you may be tuning in. We're delighted this morning that we're also joined by our brothers and sisters from Stonehaven Baptist Church. And my prayer is that together we might worship the Lord in both spirit and truth. This is now the 12th week that we have been unable to physically gather together yet we are thankful for the technology that enables us to meet together like this so once again thank you to all those who are involved in putting these services together the psalmist in psalm 47 encourages us to sing praise to god sing praises for god is the king of all the earth sing to him a psalm of praise God reigns over the nations. God is seated on his holy throne. And that, friends, brings to us great comfort that amidst everything that is going on in our nation, in our world, indeed in our own lives, there is a gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love God, who this day and every day is seated on his throne. Let that truth encourage you this morning. We're going to take that great truth of the psalmist and in our first song sing, Behold our God seated on his throne, followed by Come Behold the Wondrous Mystery. Let's unite together in prayer. Our gracious God and eternal Father, we come into your most holy and awesome presence in and through the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. For he is indeed the way, the truth and the life. He is the one who said no one comes to the Father except through me. And we acknowledge this morning, Lord Jesus, and we thank you that you are our great high priest. You are the one who ever lives to intercede for us. And we come this morning and we thank you, O oh God, that you are seated on your throne. We thank you that on that throne you rule and from that throne you rule and you reign. And we thank you that you hold all things together. You give to us the very breath that we breathe and our desire would be even now to use that breath to praise and to worship you. We acknowledge before you, our Father, our sins. We thank you that with you there is forgiveness. We come with thankfulness in our hearts as we consider your many blessings to us, Lord. We, we know that we are living in times of, of great uncertainty and, and of much change, Lord. And, and where many things uh, for a while have been denied of us. But we, we thank you that you still pour out your goodness and your blessing upon us. Forgive us for the times we take all that you've given us for granted, Lord, and, and make us a, a, a grateful and a thankful people. We just pray for our nation at this time. We pray for those in authority. We ask you to grant them wisdom and discernment in regards to decisions that have to be make, made regarding the coronavirus. We pray, Father, for those who are suffering the effects of it, even this morning, those who are in hospital, 
those who are in care homes. We pray your hand of protection upon them. We thank you for, for those who are working through this crisis, for, for all those in the NHS and, and in many other services, Lord. We pray your hand of blessing and protection to be upon them also. We pray, Father, for those who are grieving and mourning at this time. We thank you that you are the God of all comfort. We thank you that you draw near to the brokenhearted. You save those who are crushed in spirit. May that be the experience, even this morning, of those who grieve and of those who mourn. Lord, we, we just thank you that this morning we're joined by uh, our brothers and sisters from Stonehaven and we, we just thank you for, for the church there. We, we thank you for Louie and Rosie and Talithan. We ask your blessing to rest upon them, the church and their ministry. And so we come with gratefulness in our hearts, with gratitude in our voices. Lord, we just ask that you would meet with us and bless us and draw near to us as we commit at this time into your care. And we do so now in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. It is important that our children feel part of our service at all times. And I want to show you something that I have here, boys and girls. It is called a tape measure. I don't know if you can kind of see that. Hopefully it's coming up crystal clear on the screen. And we can use it to measure many, many things. And it's important that when we do measure, that we get the right measurements for whatever for whatever it is that we are measuring. For instance, you, you wouldn't want to get the wrong size of trousers. Too big and they might fall down. Too small and you might not even get into them. And while there are lots of things that we can measure, there are some things that we can't. And our song that we're going to sing just now remind us, reminds us of that because it tells us that our God, the one who we have been singing about, the one who is seated on his throne, he, the, the, our chorus tells us that he is a great big God. He, he's higher than the skyscraper. He, he's, he's deeper than the submarine. He, he's wider than the universe. Yet despite being so big, he knows us. And he loves us. So let us sing, our God is a great big God. This morning's reading is from Revelation chapter 3, verses 1 through to 6. And it is the letter to the church in Sardis. To the angel of the church in Sardis write, These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God, and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of my God. Remember therefore what you have received and heard. Obey it and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what time I will come to you. Yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in white for they are worthy. He who overcomes will like them be dressed in white 
I will never blot out his name from the book of life, but will acknowledge his name before my Father and his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So reads God's holy and precious word. Before we look together at that word, we're going to sing another two songs. The first one is Be Thou My Vision, followed by O Lord My Rock and My Redeemer. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we bow in your presence and we pray that your word would be our rule, your Holy Spirit would be our teacher, and that your greater glory, O Lord, would be our supreme concern. And we pray this through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Reputation is important. One dictionary definition of the word is the regard, favourable or not, shown from a person or thing by the public. And I guess that it's true that we all like to be seen in a good light. And, and that goes for many things, including church. And, and it could be for a, for a little while that we might kid ourselves on, we might kid others on as to the kind of reputation that we have. But as we have been seeing from our studies to these churches, nothing is hidden from the Lord. Jesus knows all things. As we saw last week, his eyes are like blazing fire. Nothing escapes him. And it is his verdict on us as, as individuals and as a church that really matters. And this morning, we visit the church in Sardis. Background, just a little background to, to Sardis itself. Sardis was a city that, that boasted of two things. Their wealth and, and their security from attack. The, the city itself was built on, on, on the top of a hill. It was surrounded by cliffs. And, and they, they, they considered uh, um, that they were, they were attack-proof. They were impregnable. Yet twice, due to a lack of watching, the city was surprisingly attacked. It also suffered a massive earthquake in AD 17, leaving it with massive debt. As we read these verses, you will have noticed that there is no mention here of persecution. There is no mention of false teaching. There is no mention of lack of love. There is, there is no compromise. But there is a real danger. And it's a danger that is as real today as it was back when this letter was first written. You see, they thought and perhaps even gave the impression, the appearance of being alive, of being a living church. Yet Jesus comes and gives the damning condemnation that they are far from living. Indeed, they are dead. 
Again, the letter follows uh, the, the same pattern where, where we have first a description given of the risen Lord as he walks among his churches. This time it is the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. And like all of these descriptions, we, we, looked, at, uh, we looked at them in our first study. But, but just a, a quick recap. The seven spirits of God symbolizes that the Holy Spirit in all of his fullness, seven being the perfect number. And the seven stars are the seven angels, the seven messengers. We see that from chapter 1, verse 20. And what we see here is, as one writer says, Jesus not only revealing his sovereignty over the churches and the messengers by, as it were, holding them in his hand, but it is Jesus and Jesus alone who gives life to the church. And he does so by his spirit and through his word. Spirit and word, both brothers and sisters, are so essential. So what does Jesus say as he looks into the church at Sardis? Indeed, what would Jesus say? as he looks into Elgin Baptist or whatever other church you may belong to. Well, to be honest, it's actually not very encouraging what Jesus says regards Sardis. There is next to nothing in the opening statement to commend them. All of the others at least have had something to commend them. He does, Jesus does say, I know your deeds. So perhaps we can take from, from that that they were a busy church. And it seems that they have a reputation either of themselves or by others of being alive. They, they seem to think they are the in church. Yet Jesus comes to them. And as the one who knows all things, as the one who sees all things, he, he says devastatingly to them, you, you're dead. You might think you're alive, but you're dead. It must have, or at least it should have, cut them to the very core, shook them to their boots. You and others, Jesus says, might think you're alive. But I'm telling you, as the Lord of the church, my verdict, your report card says, you're dead. Were they living on past glories? Had they, as it were, had they moved away from what they first heard, from what they once held dear to, it would seem so according to verse 3. Had they become like the city, just complacent, having a sense of, of false security, it will never happen to us. Had they allowed their reputation to become what they find them, possibly Amidst all of that, there is a bit of everything. And friends, brothers, sisters, these dangers, as I said, are as real today 
as they were, as they were then. A past reputation. You see, although we can give thanks for the past, we must never live in the past. And it's not what we once were that matters. It's what we are now. It's not what we once did for the Lord. It's what are we doing for him now. And Jesus in passing this verdict tells them what to do in order to be the church and in order to be the witness he would have them be in Sardis. Three things to notice from these verses. Jesus speaks of strengthening, of remembering and then of acknowledging. So firstly, strengthening. Jesus tells them to wake up. You only say that to someone who is sleeping. You only say that to someone who is unaware of all that is going on. You only say that to someone who is in danger. And this church is in danger. Wake up. I remember years ago, uh, long even before I was, was married, uh, my job at that time meant a 4 a.m. rise. It's always the best time of the day. Uh, but I was home by kind of one o'clock and, and uh, I would have a few hours sleep in the afternoon. And sleep and I are, are, are great friends. We get on so well together. I, I'm not usually easily wakened. However, this, this particular day, this particular afternoon, I, I, I kind of began to, to stir and, and kind of could hear shouting from, from outside the house and, and kind of banging on the door, which kind of living in Glasgow, there was nothing too much unusual about that. But however, what was happening was the house downstairs, we, we lived, we grew up in a tenement, uh, the house downstairs was on fire. And, and, and I was in danger and, and, and needed wakened up. Well, this church is in danger. This church needs to be awakened. And Jesus comes to them and Jesus tells them to strengthen what remains. So, so, so there's obviously something kind of still good there. There's still something there. Jesus says, he comes and tells them to strengthen what remains. But whatever is there, it's about to die. The flame is about to go out. And whatever deeds they have been doing, Jesus says, in the sight of God, they're not complete. That is, their works were only half done. Incomplete. And Jesus says, wake up. Wake up. Strengthen what remains. I wonder if that is a word for someone this morning. You may be just as it were sleepwalking your way through your Christian life. You may even have a good reputation. But in recent times for, for whatever reason, you've kind of, as it were, drifted off to sleep. You know that that fire that once burned brightly is merely a flickering flame. 
And in your heart of heart, you know that you need to strengthen what remains before it goes out completely. It is a danger for both individuals and for churches. And Jesus comes and says, wake up. Strengthening. But how? Well, secondly, notice Jesus speaks of remembering. Jesus gives us in verse 3 the answer. He tells us what we need to do in order to strengthen. And, and if you look at the verses carefully, there are actually at least four things. Look at them there in the text. He speaks of remembering. He, he speaks of obeying. He speaks of repenting. And then he gives a warning if they ignore. Jesus, as it were, takes them back to when they first believed. You know, remembering is a good thing. The Bible speaks much of it. And here the word carries the meaning of bear in mind. And I believe that Jesus here can only be referring to that time when they first heard, when they first received, when they first obeyed the gospel. Think back, he is saying. Think back to what you heard. And as you think back, make the gospel your priority. For it is the gospel that brings life from the dead. Remember those early days as a believer. It's a little bit like the message to the church at Ephesus, remember, where Jesus called on them to return to your first love. I think often on the line of the old hymn, Oh for a closer walk with God. One of the verses says this, Where is the blessedness I knew when first I saw the Lord where is the soul-refreshing view of Jesus and his word? Of Jesus. Remember. But remembering and, and indeed hearing in and of itself is not enough. You, you, you need to be receiving. You need to be obeying. We read in the Old Testament, don't we, that obedience is better than sacrifice. Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey me. And yet here is this church that is now moved away from the gospel. Other things have taken over. They have been caught up in, in, in their own perceived re reputation. And Jesus has only got one word for them. And that word is repent. See, amidst this condemnation from Jesus, don't you see still how gracious and tender and merciful he is? He gives them, as he does here to all the churches, he gives to the church in Sardis time to repent. And he's giving you time to repent. However, if they refuse to repent, 
he gives a clear warning. Jesus says, if you do not wake up, if you do not repent, then I will come like a thief and you will not know at what time I will come. Just like the city of Sardis in the past. They, they kind of slept their way into an invasion not once but twice. So the danger of not repenting, of, of, of continuing to, as it were, asleep, it rings out, brothers and sisters, a warning to us all. This reference of Jesus coming like a thief, I, I believe, does not refer in this instance to his second coming. Because here his coming appears to depend on the church's call to repent. If they don't repent, he will come. The flip side of that is if they do, he won't. And, and so we've got to be careful in how we interpret what Jesus is saying. He is here speaking to a church. He is here calling the church to repent. And of course, yes, we, we all need, as it were, to, to be awake. We all need to be ready for the Lord's return. But this is primarily a warning to sleeping Christians, to sleeping churches. And as we will see in our final point, the promise of life eternal is for those who overcome. It is for those who persevere to the end. Remember what you received. Remember what you heard. Remember what you obeyed. Repentance is vital. And walking with Jesus is essential. Friends, that is why we are encouraged elsewhere in Scripture to make our calling and our election sure. Are you in Christ this morning? Do you know him? Do you love him? Are you following him? Are you serving him? Jesus knows the, I was going to say the heartbeat of this church, but, but it would seem that like they don't have one because they're dead. And yet Jesus comes to them and offers and he calls on them to wake up, to strengthen, to remember. For if they fail to do so, then nothing but judgment awaits, awaits. Wake up, remember, repent. I believe that perhaps this is one of the many things that God is saying primarily to Christians in this current situation. For too long, and I speak personally here also, for too long we, we, we've taken things for granted whether that be physically, spiritually, material. And all of a sudden, everything has changed. These past 12 weeks have showed us that we are not masters of our own destiny. And brothers and sisters, fellow believers, we need to stop, as it were, sleepwalking into eternity. And we need to wake up to the reality that what people really need is the Lord. 
the danger in not responding was that Jesus would come and remove their lampstand. And the great news, or sorry, the great news is that no matter how asleep, even dead we are, Christ and all his power can bring us life and life in all its fullness. O church, O church, arise and put your armour on. O church, Hear the call of the kingdom. Reach out. Finally, notice Jesus speaks of acknowledging. This church really is in a bad, bad way. It's on a kind of life support system just now. But, but they have, as Jesus says, a few people... Who have not soiled their clothes. You see Jesus knows all things. Jesus sees those who are being faithful. Jesus knows those who are awake. Jesus knows those who have not as he so graphically puts it soiled their clothes. You see God always has his remnant of people. It's interesting that Jesus speaks here of, of clothing because actually Sardis was a main centre of the day for the manufacturing of woolen garments. And, and the phrase that is used, dressed in white, is also hugely significant for a number of reasons. In the various uh, temples that, that were spread right across Asia at that time, nobody dared to go into them with kind of soiled, dirty clothing. I kind of guess Sunday best is not a new thing. But, but they would wear garments of white. Otherwise, they would be debarred from entering. Jesus encourages those who are being faithful, who have remained true to him, that they will walk with him and they will walk with him dressed in white. And he speaks of it again in verse 5. Do you notice? Where again they will be dressed in white. White also speaks, doesn't it, of purity. And if you fast forward to, to chapter 19 of Revelation, John there and uh, gives us a glimpse just a glimpse of, of what lies ahead for the believer. And, and, and in verse 8 of chapter 19, he, he tells us that that fine linen, bright and clean, was given to wear. In other words, the lines of that song, in white robes arrayed us, kings and priests made us, and we are reigning with thee. What a promise. What a prospect. What a joy. What a privilege. Walking now with Jesus dressed in white and one day worshipping him as he truly is. How is that possible? Well notice what Jesus says. 
Never mind the voice of a preacher. This is Jesus here speaking. And he says this to those who are faithful, to those who persevere, to those who are truly awake and not sleepwalking. He says, I will never, there's a strong word in the Greek, it means exactly that, never. I will never blot out his name from the book of life, but will acknowledge his name before my father and his angels. Wow! To those who overcome, we will be dressed in white. And, and, and get this, friends. Jesus will acknowledge you. Jesus will name you. Jesus will present you before his Father in heaven. It's like, Father, Father, here he is. Here is Graham Swanson. Presented as Jude says without fall and with great joy Jesus will name me last week Graham the other Graham Graham Mayer was speaking about an out of your seat moment due to sheer excitement well here is one here is one such out your seat moment friends one day Jesus will present me one day Jesus will present you one day Jesus will acknowledge me one day Jesus will acknowledge you before his father and the angels wow to those who believe to those who persevere to those who overcome your name is written in permanent ink in the book of life and Jesus will acknowledge you and Jesus will name you before his father what a prospect what a promise what a savior the opposite is true for those who remain dead he will say on that day, depart, I never knew you. I encourage you to wake up, to strengthen what is about to die, to remember what you first heard and to look forward to that day when Jesus will acknowledge you before his Father in heaven. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that these things are written for our learning. And we pray that the Spirit of God would take the word of God and use it to have your will and your way in each of our lives. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our final hymn, in its final verse, picks up that very theme of Jesus acknowledging us before the Father in heaven when, in the final verse, it says, When with the ransomed in glory his face I at last shall see, t'will be my joy, I trust it will be yours, through the ages to sing of his love for me. How marvellous and how wonderful. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene. And now to him who loves us and has freed us by his blood 
and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Amen. I'd like to thank you all for listening in this morning. And as I kind of said before, if you would like to know more about what it means to be a Christian and to follow Jesus, then please do be in contact with us. You can do that through either our Facebook page or, or our web page, details of which will appear on the screen. Can I also say that we have just started running a course uh, on Zoom called Christianity Explored. It is a seven-week course where we explore the Christian faith in a very relaxed and informal way. We, we watch a video, it's followed by a few questions and then an open discussion. And again, if you would, uh, if this would be of interest to you, then, then please just go to our website and, and, and follow the link on the website to, to register. It would be great um, to see you. Uh, thank you so much and God bless each one.